John chapter 6 and verse number 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it. He said unto them, Doth this offend you? What, and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, but Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Let us pray. Father, as I bow before you today, I just want to say thank you for another privilege to stand before this people and preach the word of God. Lord, I realize that within myself I'm nothing. But Lord, I just desire to be a vessel that you would fill and use today. God, give me that special anointing and that wisdom from above. Lord, may I speak that that would honor you that you would say if you were here. God, you know the need of every heart. I pray if there's one unsaved that this would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray you'd revive your people. Stir our hearts, O oh God, once again. And may we love you more and serve you better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I want to speak to you. Verse 68 as, the, of course, verse 67, the Lord asked the question, Will ye also go away? And verse 68, Peter answering, and I like Peter. He's always quick to answer and sometimes sticks both feet in his mouth. And, but he said some good things. Also, he said some, some, some bad things. But he says, To whom shall we go? Now many had gone away, and the Lord said, Are the rest of you going? Are you all going to leave me? And Peter said, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And I like to think about that, uh, those words there uh, of eternal life. You know, some people accuse us of putting too much emphasis upon the Bible, trying to emphasize these words too much. I don't think you can put too much emphasis on And uh, because these are words, first of all, of hope, words of hope. Now, the Bible talks about those that have no hope. 
without hope. Ephesians chapter 2, he compares uh, our heritage uh, with a Jewish heritage. And uh, we, uh, of course, if you go back far enough in our lineage, you'd find probably idolaters, uh, Gentiles, uh, you know, strangers from the commonwealth of, of Israel and promised there. And he says, having no hope and without God in the world, and that's where we were at. That may be where you're at today if you're unsaved. Having no hope and without God in the world. Isn't that tragic? I mean, having no hope for the future and no God today. You know, not only do I have heaven to look forward to, but I have the Lord to walk with me now. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, so... But before I come to Christ, and everybody without Christ, they have no hope for the present and no hope for the future. And that's an awful condition to be in. And the tragedy is uh, that uh, the masses of people don't even realize their, their need. They don't even realize they're without any hope. And uh, what a sad state of affairs. Then uh, there are those that have a false hope. Job talks about it in Job chapter 8. And those that have a false hope, you know, it's one thing to be without hope and to know it. And that's a blessing. If you're, if you're unsaved today and you know it, uh, you're a, a, a lot farther along than many people. And, uh, but then there are those that have a false hope. There are those that, that think they're going to go to heaven and they're going to go to hell. Now you tell me what's worse than that. It's one thing for me to be lost and know I'm lost and know I'm going to hell and have the knowledge of that. But to think I'm all right, think I'm going to go to heaven and not go to heaven, to me that's the worst of all possible situations. And I believe that 75% of all professing Christendom is in that shape. They think they're all right. And they're not. Now that's sad. And uh, you know what the Lord said about it? He says, many will say to me in that day, you know, Lord, Lord, we not prophesied in thy name, in thy name have cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. He didn't say, I used to know you. The Lord said, I never knew you. And he said, broad is the way, and wide is the gate that leadeth into destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. And so there are those that have a false hope. But then thank God there are those that have a living hope. First Peter 1, 3 said, He has begotten us again unto a lively hope. And this hope is real. Hope in the Bible, you know, we think of hope, well, I... You ask people, are you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. And most of the time, what they mean by that, I, I think I'm going, but I'm really not sure. I hope I am. But I hope in the Bible don't mean that. Hope is absolute. Hope is positively, it is, it is assurance without any doubt. When it talks about a living hope, it's a hope that's alive. And how do we obtain this living hope? Well, it comes by words. 
Verse 63, he said, It's the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. He said the Spirit is what quickens. The Spirit is what gives life. And he said the words are spirit. The words that I speak in you, they are spirit and they are life. Now that's how we, uh, we come to this living hope. In verse 68, Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Thou hast words of eternal life. How did you obtain the hope that is in you? Well, if it's real, if it's alive, it came from words. That's how it came from. It didn't come from sight. Uh, people say, I looked up in the sky one day and I saw, I saw this up in the sky and I know I'm going to heaven. Or I had this experience. I, I experienced this and I felt this. Therefore, I have the assurance of heaven. You better, you better have your assurance anchored in something a little better. Uh, anchor that assurance in the Word of God. That's where it comes from, according to the Bible. He said the words, uh, to whom shall we go? Thy has the words of eternal life. And you know how I got saved? I heard words whereby I could be saved. In John 5, 39, he said, Search the Scriptures, friend, them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we're saved by grace through faith. And where does the faith come from? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's how faith is born in us. And, uh, you know, you don't just wake up one day and, and boom, you have faith. You have faith. That faith is planted in our by the word of God. And then in 1 Peter 1, he says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. To whom shall we go for hope? We go to the word of God. We go to words. And then not only that, but he also has words of healing. Words of healing. Healing for the mind. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is in, in Philippians chapter 4. And God's cure for worry. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and says, whatsoever things are true and lovely and of good report, and he makes a list of things like, think on these things. The Word of God's the best medicine you can find. We're affected by words, aren't we? And uh, we're affected emotionally and uh, by words. Uh, good news. Uh, makes us happy, and bad news makes us sad. Uh, but healing for the mind and healing for the body. You know, there's in Second Kings chapter 20, there's uh, 
a story there of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a, a godly man. He was a good king, and Isaiah the prophet was sent to him and set thine house in order, uh, for you shall die and not live. And, of course, he didn't want to die. That's unnatural. Uh, you know, we, we want to live. God made man to live forever. And sin brings death, doesn't it? And, uh, of course, salvation uh, gets that back and, and more too. <laughs> Uh, we get something better in a physical body. We get a glorified body. But uh, Hezekiah didn't want to die. And so he seeks the Lord. And, and the, the amazing thing, I read that story again, the amazing thing about that story, as Isaiah has delivered the message and he's going out of the court, out of the king's palace, God speaks to him again and says, Isaiah, go back. It didn't take long. Oh, Hezekiah fell on his face before God and began to beg God for life. And, and God intervened. And Isaiah forever got out of the, out of the uh, courtyard there and turns him around and sends him back and says, God's heard your prayer. And he's going to give you 15 more years. And uh, uh, he tells him, he said, I want you to take a lump of figs and put on the ball, and you'll recover. That indicates God uses means sometimes. For him. There's some people, they don't believe in medicine. They don't believe in doctors. They believe God, God's going to heal you without it. Well, God can heal you without it. God can heal you with it. Or God can heal you in spite of it. And so God used means. And uh, uh, Hezekiah said, How shall I know that the Lord has heard, heard me? And he said, okay, shall the shadow go backward or forward in the, in the sundial? He said, well, it's nothing for it to go forward, you know. That does that every day. Make it go backward. <laughs> Can you imagine what God had to do to answer that prayer? Huh. I mean, God had to, had to stop and turn back the whole universe. I marvel at that. Oh, at, the, at the ends that God would go to answer one man's prayer. Amen. If we believe that, boy, you talk about praying, we'd do more praying, wouldn't we? We believe that God would go to that extent to hear and answer our prayer. I mean, God had to move the earth and the sun, the moon and the stars and the planets and move everything to compensate for that, just like he did in the days of Joshua and uh, about a whole day there, uh, God stopped everything. But uh, the Lord heard his prayer, and the Lord added 15 years to his life. And it was his faith in the, in the promise of God and the words of God that brought it about. In Psalm 103, verse 3, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. You say, well, I don't think God heals today. Let me say, listen, have you ever been sick and got better? Who do you think done it? Well, the medicine did it. The doctors did it. How come someone else took it and didn't help them? And I've observed that over the years. You visit two people, they both have the same disease, they both take the same treatment, one gets better and one don't. They have the same doctor, same medicine. Why does one get better and one dies? 
This is all in God's hands. This is God's business whether we believe it or not. And so uh, he healeth all thy diseases. You say, well, he didn't heal my loved one. They died. Well, <laughs> if they were saved, they're healed forever. That's the best healing of all. We think of that as a tragedy. But you know, if, if I'm sick and God heals me and raises me up, sooner or later, I'm going to have that sickness or some other sickness. But when God takes me out of this old body and takes me home to be with him, I'm through with it forever. Right. Who healeth all thy diseases. And then he says in Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent his word and heal them. The Word of God brings about healing. In Matthew chapter 8, we have the centurion there coming to the Lord Jesus. And the centurion had a hundred men under his command. And he said his servant was sick. You know, I read that and, and I think, uh, now here's a man of authority, here's a man uh, uh, that, uh, that has this place and yeah, he's concerned about his servant. Says something about the character of that fellow. And he makes the effort to go to Jesus. And, and he says in verse 8, Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. He said, the only thing you have to do is just speak the word of God, and it'll do the job. And the Lord honored his faith and said, So shall it be. I want to tell you, he has words of healing. God's healed me many times, and you too. And uh, I've seen him heal others. He has words of healing. Then not only that, but he has words of happiness. Psalm 144, verse 15, Happy, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Words of happiness. Psalm 146, verse 5, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And Psalm 29, or Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. That verse is quoted many times, but that's not all the verse. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Don't you, you don't have to lower your head in shame, you that believe the Bible and try to live right. The world may look at you and say, well, you're not having any fun. I want to tell you, they're the one that's not having any fun. Those that keep the law of God are happy. The Bible says, happy is he. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. I want to tell you, just to, just to have been here last Sunday and felt what I felt and experienced what I experienced was worth getting saved over. And uh, I don't think there's anything in the world. <laughs> I don't think anybody in this building that has ever experienced anything, you that, that had your fling with sin before God saved you, or maybe got back set on God and, and, and fell into sin. I don't think you've ever had anything to compare with that. Happiness. I know I hadn't. I've never taken drugs except I took a Tylenol a while ago. My shoulders really give me a fit. I pulled it or something this week. 
and uh, but uh, the, the drugs that uh, you know is a real problem today. I don't know what it does. You know, it don't make sense to me. I think it's stupid. I don't know why people do it. I guess they do it for the feeling they get, whatever feeling it is. And the same way we're getting drunk and all that sort of thing. But I want to tell you, there's nothing like the Lord. And His words bring joy and happiness according to the Bible. It says, He that keepeth the law, happy is he. In John 13, verse 17, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You know, it's one thing to believe them. It's one thing to know them. It's another thing to practice them. That's where the real joy comes from, isn't it? That's just like getting saved. People hear about getting saved. They hear about others getting saved. But until you get saved yourself, you never experience it. And we're not saved by feeling, but it sure does feel good, doesn't it? It does feel good. And I'm glad for that. But he said, happy, happy are ye if you do them. Obedience to the word of God. I like these, this verse in Jeremiah, one of my favorites says, Thy words were found and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. And if you study the history of Jeremiah, Jeremiah had it rough. I mean, people didn't like what he had to say. Uh, his message was a message of judgment, and that's never been popular. People say, why don't you preach on heaven? Why don't you preach positive things? Someone else says, why don't you preach hard against sin? You know what I've determined to do? I'm just going to preach what God wants me to preach. I can't please everybody. I just want to be obedient to the Lord and just preach what God puts on my heart. And uh, that's, that's all a person can do. And, but Jeremiah, his message was not popular. He was preaching that uh, the Babylonians were coming and they were going to take over their country and lead them away captive. Well, nobody wanted to hear that. And they throwed him in the dungeon and they give him a hard time. And Jeremiah said, I think I'll just quit. But he said, it was like a fire in my bones. <laughs> he said, the fire wouldn't go out. He said, thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. You want God to be real to you? Listen, I appreciate what the Lord in his grace did for us last Sunday. But God's been just as real to me just right over there in that little room God's been just as real when there's nobody there but just the Lord and me and his word and I'll tell you you get away from this world and get the world out of your mind and get apart from the world and you shut yourself up with God and this book and you get down in those words I'll tell you God will get mighty real to you He'll get real. Thy words were found, and the word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. I just wonder what God would do if one of these Saturday nights everybody in the congregation would shut themselves up in a room somewhere with the word of God 
and spend that evening in his blessed book and in fellowship with him and then get up Sunday morning and come in here, I just wonder what God might do. Let me challenge you. <laughs> Let me challenge you to do that. He'd probably, he'd probably shock us all. And the Word of God. You want to be happy? You want to find happiness? You want to find joy? You can't find better happiness and greater joy than in the Lord and His Word. And then, not only happiness, but hope. Or help, rather. Help. Talks about hope already. Now, to find help, uh, I want to read a, a, a verse over in uh, Chronicles there. In, in 1 Chronicles, a couple of verses in 1 Chronicles 10 and uh, verse 13 and 14. Now, uh, you remember King Saul, of course, he was... Before David there, he was the first king of Israel. He was the people's choice and not the Lord's choice. And, and uh, uh, he continually disobeyed God and what God wanted him to do. And finally the Lord, the Lord quit speaking to him. And there he's in battle with the Philistines. And the Lord does not answer him. And he seeks God and God doesn't answer him. So he goes down there to the witch of Endor. And... Philipp, or Corinthians, or First Corinthians, or Chronicles rather, First Chronicles 10, verse 13 and 14 says, So Saul died for his transgression which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. Now notice it says that God slew him. He slew him because he rejected the Lord. You know, when we need help, first place we ought to turn is the Lord. Sometimes it's the last place isn't it, we go. The last person we go to is the Lord. And sometimes in visiting hospitals, I've heard people say, you know, the doctor says, uh, you know, there's nothing else we can do. You know, the only help is the Lord now. Well, the fact of the matter is the only help to start with was the Lord. That's the facts. Sometimes we don't recognize that. And we think the Lord is the last resort. But he's, he's our first resort, ought to be. When we need help, who should we go to? We ought to go to the rock that's higher than we are. In Psalm 60, verse 11, Psalm 108, and verse 12, said, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Psalm 46, 1, God is their refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isn't that wonderful? He said, I'm a present help. You know, I may, I may, may need some help, and someone may be 40 miles away. But I'll tell you, the Lord's right there. He's a present help in time of trouble. You have trouble, thank God Jesus is right there to help you. You don't have to wait till he gets some heaven. He's right there. He's a very present help in trouble. In Acts chapter 26, as they tried to kill Paul there, he said, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. 
And we don't understand many times how God's cared for us and how God's took care of us. And uh, out there driving the highways, Brother Hickok's talking about driving those thousands of miles in that truck all across this country, crisscrossing this country, back and forth and up and down. And, and uh, all the dangers, you know, I, I travel quite a bit, but not as much as he does. And, and, uh, and every time I go to Oteen or Asheville or wherever I'm going, hospitals and around, I mean, there's never a time hardly that I don't, uh, you know, that I don't have to be careful and watch out for the other fellow. And the danger that presents itself, and if we only knew, if we only knew the hand of God that's there with us, protecting us and caring for us. He said, not a sparrow falls to the ground without his knowledge. He numbers the hairs of our head. He says, you're more valuable than many sparrows. And I'll tell you, God's good to us, isn't he? And I've told this story many times, but I want to tell it because I believe the Lord wants me to tell it here. Many years ago, uh, I was pastoring in Maiden, and we took a busload of people up to the mountains to a revival meeting. And uh, we're coming back, stopping Spruce Pine there, a little restaurant to get a, get a sandwich or drink and whatever there. And my wife's brother was driving the bus. And he was getting ready to pull out and fell in the bus. He said, wait a minute. They had a box full of trash and said, let, let me throw this trash out. And so he stopped and the fellow started off of the bus and there was a car came around the curve, run up on the bank, back across the road and back off on the off the side of the road. And if we'd have pulled out when we planned to pull out, there would have been no way to have missed that car. I'll tell you, God took care of us. And it was so evident of the hand of God. You saw, oh, that's just one of those things. Well, <laughs> but I'll tell you, there's been plenty of other times that we didn't even know about. Do you need help from the Lord? The Bible said in Hebrews 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice what he says. It's a throne of grace. Oh, it's not, it's not a throne of, of uh, something we deserve. Lord, I, Lord, I deserve it. You know how good I've been. And now I come and I think I deserve this. <laughs> he said it's a throne of grace. And that's saved. He's talking about saved people too. Yes, we all believe that, that grace is, is for the sinner and the sinner has to come be saved of grace. But also the saved man. Just like I mentioned Sunday night, the service last Sunday morning, it was just a gift of God's grace. And not a one of us in this building deserve it. Just a gift of his mercy and his grace. But I want you, I want you to know that where sin abounding grace did much more abound. And God has all the grace we need. And there's an abundant supply. He giveth more grace. And whatever you need... He's a very benevolent God, a God of great mercy and God of love and grace. And if you need, need help, I want to tell you there's a throne of grace where help is available. We have a wonderful Savior. What do you need the Lord, from the Lord today? 
you need hope, are you lost without God? He has words of eternal life. Do you need healing? Do you need happiness? Do you need health? And many other things could be mentioned. The Lord has an abundant supply. Let's bow our heads, please.